tomorrow is Veterans Day. We were having a discussion out in the hallway exactly what is a veteran. And a, a veteran properly defined, according to Wikipedia, is one who has served. And um, we, we honor those who have served and died on Memorial Day. We serve those who have served and are alive on Veterans Day. And we, we honor those who are currently serving on Armed Forces Day. And so thank God for Wikipedia. <laughs> However, <laughs> the thing is, if you have served or you are currently serving, whether you're in the room or you're with us online, we want to honor you. And so if you have served or you are currently serving right now, would you stand up right now and just let us applaud you? Amen. Amen. I see, I see different generations around the room, and man, it's incredible the stories I am sure that you could, you could tell. <clears throat> we are glad that you are here joining our hearts together to worship, and hey, it's been a long week, hasn't it? But you know what? Our God is on the throne just like he was yesterday and one billion years ago and will be a billion years from now and so we've come together to worship him to serve him and that is what we're going to do i want to to just make sure two things are in your mind one next week is the deadline for the the shoe boxes so make sure you get those done this week get them in i've seen some already coming in and so make sure you get that taken care of and then of course secondly is today after this time of worship together we are going to have our annual meeting and we will look at and propose a budget for your consideration so the budget's available back there on the table as well. So make sure that you do that. And also, if you're our guest, you're welcome to stay for the meeting. If you are not a member of Abundant Hope, you can't vote, you can't speak to a motion, but you're, you're certainly welcome to stay if you so choose. If, and if you don't want to stay, we certainly understand and there will be a few moments after the end of the worship service that you can leave if you so choose so with all that in mind we are getting ready to take an offering and so if i can get some guys to help man one of these baskets we are getting ready to pray and take an offering there we go all right, let's pray together. Father, we, we're grateful that we can enter into your presence. And Lord, just a body of believers just right now talking to the one who made us the one who is supplying the air for our next breath, the one who makes our heart pump one more time. And in your power, you still allow us to talk to you right now. And so, Lord, we take this time very seriously, and we lay ourselves before you because we're sinful we do not deserve and have not earned the right to come before you and Lord all around this room 
there's dozens of sinners joined together talking to the only one who's never sinned. And so, Lord, we praise you for your grace and for your forgiveness, for not striking us dead as we deserve. But, Lord, as you look on us, you see the, the sinless sacrifice of your son Christ. And so, Lord, it's sobering that as we talk to, to God, to know that, one, you don't strike us dead, and two, you hear us and you respond to us. And so, Lord, we pray that as we take this offering, that we do so out of gratitude for you, out of worship for you. And, Lord, that we're in awe before you. And so we pray that you would take these gifts, this offering, and use it for your glory. And Lord, I pray that you would forgive us if we give out of feeling like we're paying you off. And Lord, I pray that you would give us wisdom, help us not to, to be frivolous in spending these gifts, but God, you would give us great wisdom to follow you in faith, to not hoard, but not waste. And so, Lord, I pray that you would go before us as we give, that you would lead us in your grace. For we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Guys, I promise when I sat down and chose the songs for this week, <clears throat> I wasn't thinking about the election. I mean, I, I may have been thinking about it, but I wasn't choosing songs based on that. <laughs> but uh, build your kingdom here. Let the darkness fear show your mighty hand. Heal our streets and land. Set your church on fire and win this nation back. I mean, is that appropriate or what? God's good that way. Um, and again, this song we're going to start out with right here, you know, you count on one thing, a God that never fails. The same God who spoke this world into existence is still in control of this world. I mean, you know, so yes, we will lift him high all of our days, we will choose to praise and we will choose to glorify him as his church. So guys, let's stand up and let's do that this morning. <clears throat> All throughout this year, we have been reading from Genesis, and I think I told you last week that I was behind, and I had been behind in my reading for a while, and I have finally caught up, and I hope that that serves to tell you that you can catch up if you are behind, and hopefully you are not. How many of you are still with us in reading through the Bible? Anybody? A few of us still hanging in there? All right. I, um, I want you to know that you can catch up. In fact, if you started anywhere, you could still, you could still catch up and join with us and finish with us in Revelation. So we have a lot of things to think about. A coming king and his confident church. As I look at this, I am grateful that I plan sermons like a year in advance, right? Like I'm going soon on my yearly hunting slash sermon prep opportunity where I will be planning 
where we're going sermon-wise in 2021. And so, as I see this title, The Coming King, A Coming King and His Confident Church, what are we as a church, or what is the church, Big C Church, Universal Church, confident in? At least the American church this past week did not exude with confidence. But I am, I am confident of God's control. And I think people are, I think believers are seeing some things in this country. And it, it's interesting when you talk about an election, when you have Republicans and independents and Democrats, and, and they put forth a candidate and the populace selects from a small list of humans to be the leader of this country. I think our unique perspective, having gone through the Bible this year, it is hopefully fresh on our minds when, when God set up kings for his people. And I think of all of the qualities and all of the specific men that he set on the throne. He he was very clear and very fond of King David. And so I think about King David. This is certainly not in your notes. We'll get there. But if you think of King David, a man after God's own heart, and his qualities, his character, and following God, I think for me, what this did for me this week was to help me look at, as a country... God chose David and said, He is your king. What has happened in this country when by the time the options get to us, there is very little comparison to the qualities and character of King David. And what I'm saying is, I think the problem is far deeper than a ballot. You can go way back to who rises to the surface when it comes to leaders in this country. And for years and years, I have heard conversations of, I'm not voting for, I'm voting against, and, and all of those things, but all of that comes from a heart of a country who has turned away from the Lord. And unless there is a return, I believe that we will see the Old Testament and the New Testament and God's sovereignty do exactly what God has said that he will do. And and I've heard it it's it's interesting the things you hear in conversations around election time and and I've heard it numerous times that the United States is not mentioned in Revelation. And so before Christ's return America will likely be erased and I don't know when Christ will return. But I know that if 
if he is only waiting for this country to be erased, which he's not, that's not how God works, but if that were the only thing left, who knows? Would it be in our lifetime? certainly could. And so, I want to offer us a perspective today that is that is far bigger than this country, that is far bigger than just this generation. But I want us to look in 1 Thessalonians and look at life and death. And, and what that means. Life and death in this country. Life and death. How do you look at life? How do your co-workers, how do your students, how do your neighbors, how do they look at life? How do they look at death? Specifically, we're going to look at death today from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and beginning in verse 13. And so if you would, with your Bibles open to 1 Thessalonians 4.13, would you stand please? You can look at the screen if you need to. But as I read this text, I want you to hear it in light of the things that we consider big deals and earth-shattering television and elections and all of that stuff. Come up to breathe for a moment and allow your heart to listen to this. <clears throat> Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left to the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be called up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. So, my brothers and sisters in Christ, today I want to renew our perspective and be encouraged today because we serve this God. Amen? Would you pray with me? Father, we stand before you as condemned. We are damned to hell forever were it not for your grace. And so, Lord, let us not confuse our thoughts and our desires with your gospel. And, Father, I pray that you would encourage us where we need to be encouraged today. But, Father, I pray that you would discourage us, confront us, and convict us where we need that today. And God, I pray that in your holy name we will run. We will rest in you. For we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> when you think of death, you think about <clears throat> your life as a believer... How does that differ from normal Americans, normal people all over this globe? <clears throat> and what does your thoughts of death mean for you as a disciple of Christ? I want to, I want to just share a story with you from history. John Patton, missionary to an island that I had never heard of 
New Herbides, South Pacific, from 1858 to 1905. When he arrived, there were zero Christians, zero, none. And when he left in 1905, virtually all the people on the island were believers. Now back up in history, 19 years before he set sail for the New Herbides, which would have been 1839, the first Christian missionaries landed on the coast of this island. It was John. They were John and James Harris. And they were killed within minutes of landing. And they were cannibalized 19 years before. And so John Patton, 19 years later, when he proposed going there, he was met with opposition. And in, in particular... This one man named Mr. Dixon, he said, if you go there, you're going to be killed. You are going to be killed. You're going to be cannibalized, just like before. And John Patton's response to Mr. Dixon, you just got to hear this. This is the perspective of one who believes 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. He said, Mr. Dixon, you are advanced in years now, and your own prospect is soon to be laid in the grave and there to be eaten by worms. I confess to you that if I can but live and die serving and honoring the Lord Jesus Christ, It will make no difference to me whether I am eaten by cannibals or by worms. And in the great day, my resurrected body will rise as fair as yours in the likeness of our risen Redeemer. That is theological checkmate. What do you say or do if you were Mr. Dixon at this point? That was 150 years ago. But I want you to hear a couple other quotes about what people say in our day about death. Listen to what one girl said. She said, I'm only 22. But I have an extreme fear of dying. It's not that I'm worried how I will die. It's more like I cannot imagine ever waking up. I know that life is based on being born and dying, but it's a scary thought for me. I've already set aside plans to be buried above ground in an above ground structure called a mausoleum. It's kind of like a little house. I may only be 22. But anyone could die at any time in any way. I'm scared of dying young, and I'm scared of dying old. Another woman said, One of my main worries is of a loved one dying. It's, it's actually made me reconsider how many children I want to have, which is disappointing. Just knowing that there is nothing you can do about it, that death is completely out of control. And the third one, perhaps most revealing from an atheist, he said, I have no religion or belief in the afterlife. Because of this, because of this, my fear of death and the unknown has been increased since my decision to become an atheist. 
though I was not brought up with religious parents as a child, I was told about heaven and whatnot. But now I know that there is nothing beyond the grave, and the sheer thought of this, he says, keeps me up at night. I'm not entirely sure what help I want or what help I need. I really just wish there was something that could comfort me about death. Brothers and sisters, what, what the world is longing for and what the world desperately needs to hear, what this world is totally missing is Christ in the gospel. And <clears throat> you must hear, you need to hear that we rest on these truths. This gospel changes how we live. This gospel changes how we die and thus changes how we live. And so... Death is not the end. And I've heard it said, for a believer, this world is as close as we get to hell. And for a non-believer, this world is as close as they get to heaven. And so we live in this world where these kind of thoughts run through our heads about death and life. And I want us to, to look at our response to death. Our response to death is distinct from the despair of the world. Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. I had a friend when I was <clears throat> a young adult, and someone that was a co-worker that was not a believer, <clears throat> they had lost someone, and, and of course they were bummed, they were sad, and they were dealing with things. And, and she made this comment, I don't know how people handle this kind of thing without Christ. And how true was that? I don't know you, how you handle death without hope in Christ. Because you think about it, think about it right now just for one moment. All of the people and perhaps the closest people to you that you have lost in your life. And now with those images and those thoughts in your mind, Think about those who are in Christ and those who are not in Christ. Think about for a moment our own death, your death, my death. If there's no hope in Christ, think about what happens. If there's no hope in Christ, Upon our death, people will, will cry and will weep and, and share memories and stories about your life. And then, going in a hole, shovel the dirt over you. And you go home. You walk away. And you have these memories. And that's the end. Could you imagine? And in the story of Mr. Patton, worms eat the body. And with technology... We can put off how long it takes for the worms to eat the body. That's right. You're hungry. 
But if there's no hope, that's it. That is it, y'all. And now that depressing thought that I have and perhaps you have, that is what our world and our country that do not know Christ, that is their world. And to help, they tell themselves lies. They tell themselves that all dogs go to heaven. Everybody. God is love, so everybody goes to heaven. And, oh, he was a saint, she was a saint. Whatever they need to hear to deafen the sound of the worms eating their loved ones and them rotting in a hole forever. But our response to death is distinct. From the despair of the world. The people of God should be different. The people of God should be different. You and I should be different in our behavior and in our belief. Verse 14 We believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in Him. That's a whole lot different from the idea of a world with no hope. And so this, in the church... The early church. This is Paul. In Acts 17, <clears throat> let's set some perspective here. Acts 17, 1 through 7, when they had passed <clears throat> through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue. As his custom was, Paul went into the synagogue and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that the Christ had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Christ, he said. Some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, and as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and not a few prominent women. But the Jews were jealous. So they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started a riot in the city. They pushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some other brothers before the city officials, shouting, These men, who have caused trouble all over the world, have now come here. And Jason was welcomed into his house. And Jason has welcomed them into his house. And they are all defying Caesar's decree, saying that there is another king, one called Jesus. Oh, that this was said about us. Bringing this trouble all over the world. Saying that there is one king, and he is not Caesar, and this one king is Jesus. Oh, I hope people are saying that about me. We should be different. We should be different in our beliefs that we do not bow and worship to anyone in Washington. And when people look at us, there's a difference from those who do not have hope in Christ. If there is not a difference in belief, there will be no difference in behavior because belief drives behavior. Are we distinct from the despair of the world? Are we? Are you distinct? Is there a difference in your belief and your behavior from that of the world? Or are we in despair about anything and everything, but specifically about our life and our death? And so... 
the people of God should be different, so we should not grieve as those without hope. Now, I don't want you to hear me say that we will not grieve. Because we grieve. At just about every funeral that I have ever preached in my life, and I know it's over a hundred, I have said that grief is the price we pay for loving someone. And so we grieve. But we do not grieve without hope. Because hope is ours in Christ. We should not grieve as those without hope. But we will grieve. We can grieve the loss, but be comforted by future reward, eternity, seeing our loved one again. And those things that those without hope lie to themselves and say they will get that opportunity. And so our response to death is distinct from the despair of the world. Secondly, our response to death is rooted in the story of the gospel. Everything that we believe about death is about the gospel. If it were not for Christ, if Christ had not come, if Christ had not given us an opportunity to have our sins forgiven, then our death would be much different. And so it is rooted in the gospel. And in verse 14 we see Jesus' return. We see Jesus' resurrection. Jesus' resurrection is both proof that God can raise the dead and a promise that he will raise the dead. There's a very short list of people who have been raised from the dead. And there is a much shorter list than even that of someone who has been raised from the dead and did not die again. We sing the song, we say the words, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is alive in us. That is the truth of the gospel <clears throat> that changes us that should change our dejection our depression our despair to hope this world is not our home and so the fact that Jesus was raised from the dead shows that God can raise someone from the dead Remember in Corinthians. So, if the dead can't be raised, then even Christ wasn't raised, and we are still living in our sins, and we are to be most pitied. Because if we believe that we will be raised from the dead when one can't actually be raised from the dead, then we are fools, and we are still living in our sin. But, God did raise him from the dead. And so we have this hope and we have this promise that not only was he raised from the dead, but that he will raise us from the dead. And we see it here. We believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. And so, unless Jesus returns first, we will die, we will be buried, and we will be raised like Jesus. So, 
our response to death is rooted in the story of the gospel and then also it's strengthened by the certain return of the Lord. Verses 15 through 17 is just a clear look. And verse 15 is a summary statement of the others. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. And we see this, this picture that encourages us, that strengthens us because His return is certain. And we see in verses 16 and 17 a few clarifications, a few truths about His return. First, in verse 16, we see that His return will be personal. For the Lord Himself will come down from heaven. Not a representative, not a likeness, not a twin brother, not an angel, but the Lord Himself, the one who made us, is coming for us. His return will be personal. But also, His return will be public. His return will be public. It's not this secret snatching up of believers. I had this dream, I don't know, a month or two ago. And in this dream, it was the rapture. And I, I felt I was, I was in the air. I was looking down. I could see the earth way down there. And I felt like I was flying. Right? This was, I dream for real. Like when I dream, I dream. And so, but I thought that it was interesting because I was, I was flying and there were countless other people, right? And just so we know, this is not like a revelation. This is my dream, right? I may have had bad tacos, whatever it was, all right? This is not the gospel. This is my dream. But I remember in this dream that I was flying and then I was not flying. And I was speaking to this guy who was lost. I didn't know him. And he was asking me, what in the world's going on? I was on the top of a building just so you know, bad taco, right? And so this guy said, what in the world's going on? I said, I can tell you what's going on. And I remember opening scripture and sharing this with him. No idea who he was. And then we go inside this building, and this guy's talking to someone else, and I am just there praying for this guy, whoever it is, and I open my eyes. Dude's gone. He peaced out. Rapture. Y'all woke up and I was sweating. I was troubled, right? But I remember as I looked out and I saw when I was on top of this building looking up, I could see the people. They were way up. And I mean altitude. But you could still see all these people. But what I noticed was people were on the road going to work. Nobody even noticed. Nobody even noticed. So that's why my dream's jacked up. The trumpet will sound. And loud enough that it wakes the dead, y'all. Trumpets are noisy. And he's coming back. The first time he came, he came in a quiet little town in a stable... The next time he comes, warrior king. He's coming. He's going to make a scene. They're going to notice. His return will be public. It will be public and his return will be powerful. His return will be powerful. And what I mean by powerful 
is that the dead will come from their tombs. That's pretty powerful. Remember, I'm still blown away by the cross event when he was, <clears throat> when he was crucified. The moment he was crucified, the curtain in the temple torn from top to bottom and graves were open and the people in the graves weren't dead anymore and they were like walking around that's powerful that's going to happen again except this time it's going to be you and me perhaps his return will be power I want you to get a picture from the Old Testament that perhaps you you will remember. Ezekiel 37. Ezekiel had a a dream except his was not tacos. His was God showing him truth. And he said he led me back and forth over this valley, and it was full of bones. And I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you, and you will come to life. Imagine this picture. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you, and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together. Bone to bone, I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. And then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, This is what the sovereign Lord says, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them, and they came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. His return will be powerful. I've been a part of some pretty awesome things in my life, but I have never witnessed dead people living again and of all the things I've experienced and I've described as powerful I can't touch that with anything that I've experienced thus far in my life but on that day those whose hope is in Christ will live again and it will be powerful the dead will come from their tombs the living will come to their king. Those who are still alive <clears throat> for the Lord himself will come down from heaven. The dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be called up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air the living will come to their king and the Lord will come to his throne and so we will be with him and so he takes his rightful place on the throne and we see that his return will be powerful but also his return will be permanent and so we will be with the Lord forever. Forever. His reign will be forever. Not for years. Not for your life. His return will be permanent.
he will reign forever. So we don't know when, but we certainly know who. We know how long his reign will be. Revelation 11, verse 15 says, The seventh angel sounded his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven which said, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. So you see it in Ezekiel from the Old Testament. <clears throat> you see it in Thessalonians, the early church. You see it in Revelation, which is the future to eternity. His return is real. His return is permanent. And so... Finally, our response to death is distinct from the despair of the world, and it is rooted in the story of the gospel. It's strengthened by the certain return of the Lord, and finally, it's confessed for the sake of one another. Here's what I mean by that. He says, therefore, encourage each other with these words. Why is it recorded in the Bible how Christ would return? Did Christ need a memo? Did he have to type it in so he would remember how this goes? No. We have the word as God's grace and God's gift to us so that we see this. So if, like Israel... At times in their life, if you are living in all of you've ever known is slavery in Egypt for 400 years of your past in slavery. Or perhaps it's Babylon and they're in Babylon for those 70 years. And Do you think they might need some some encouragement that there's something different about those in Christ what about you and me that has watched the fabric of this country and the, the morals of this country decline even in our lifetime at such a rapid pace before we would get called up and start throwing up our hands like chicken little and saying the sky is falling we throw up our hands and say, our God is awesome, and he reigns. And so be encouraged, my brothers and sisters. He will not leave his throne ever. Ever. He will never lose he will reign and the question for us will we reign with him believers don't buy into what the world is selling We've watched it in our schools, our universities, and we're so grateful for, for godly teachers. But even in that, hands are being tied. And, and so generation after generation of decline, and people begin to buy into what the world is selling, and and what happens is it fills our minds. It fills our hearts with the foolishness of this world. And we allow the, the truth of God's word to be pushed out to the periphery of, of our mind and our heart. 
And so we begin to push it out to the periphery so long that what controls us, what controls our thoughts, what controls our heart, what controls our action, what controls our lips is not the truth of God's Word, but the leeching of the degeneration of society. And so believers don't buy that junk. And anyone who is hearing me, who is a a non-believer, this may not make sense to you at all. You may think this is a little nuts. And you may resonate more with, with the doubts and the struggles pertaining to death. But I say to you what the gospel says to you here, and that is to trust Christ, to repent of your sin. Place your faith, your hope, your eternity in Jesus Christ and in his death and in his resurrection and nothing else. Let this truth resonate in you. It might become less and less popular. It may make you less and less popular. But if you live for popularity, Scripture says that you will be severely disappointed. And so encourage one another with these words. And if you do, then you, united with brothers and sisters all over this room, we have hope in Jesus Christ. And this hope is real. This hope is forever. We have hope in a work that we couldn't do. We have hope in the crucified, buried, resurrected, ascending, and coming King. We didn't do any of that. We did not cause Him to come here. We did not cause Him to be raised from the dead. We did not cause Him to ascend to heaven. And we didn't cause His return. The only part we had a a hand in was his death. And so, think about big things. The Bible defines what should be the big things. Not the petty stuff that's lifelong or less but how foolish if we focus our life only on this side of our death what if we do nothing in preparation for eternity and the bible says you know if what if we have 70 years or if you get to be 117 and you're in the newspaper for being ancient what happens 200 years into the future let us be encouraged that this God that we worship this God that we serve this God who made us he made us for him he made us not here he made us for heaven for eternity forever and so I want to offer you this perspective today and it's interesting that you know last November when this sermon was planned for this day who knew certainly not me I don't care what happened this past week. This is eternal truth no matter what. 
no matter what, no matter who. And let us encourage one another with these words. And when we hear things in the news of, of it's over, or this ain't over, let's turn those words to the one who has the authority to say, oh, it ain't over. It ain't over. And his reign will never end. Will you reign with him? You can make that decision now. This decision cannot be made after you're dead. Your vote matters. Don't be late. Let's pray. Father, we praise you for your word and for the powerful truth that you give us. Lord, help us to not live as those who have no hope. Lord, how dare we live a hopeless life? How dare we as a church look sad or defeated as if we have been battered or bruised or scarred or lost a battle when we serve a king who will never lose Lord take our eyes and place them on you Lord put our heart on you that is you and stop worrying about the the sinking sand around us because we trust in your sovereignty and so Lord I pray for believers in this room that you will help us to start living as if we will never die Father, I pray too for anyone who doesn't know Christ personally all over the internet or anywhere in this room. Lord, help them to not be foolish and to think that there's anything good for them beyond this life, but that there is hope in Christ now and forever if we turn away from what we have been trusting and turn to Christ and He alone and trust Him, repent of our sin and trust Him for eternal life. And though it sounds crazy that we can't earn it, we can't pay for it, we can't even have a payment plan, but it's offered as a free gift because Christ paid everything for it. And so Lord, let us as Christians stand up and serve the King. And Lord, I pray for anyone who doesn't know Christ that today is the day that we meet our eternal King and serve Him forever. So Lord, we pray all of this in the name of Jesus the Christ who is the King. Amen. Guys, we serve a God that's so far beyond us that it blows our minds just with what we know now. But we serve Him, and we love Him, and we live for the day where we will never, ever leave His presence. And the, the, the junk of this world is done, and we will spend eternity worshiping and praising His name. When 10,000 years seems like we just got started, that's what we were made for. Not for this world, not for this stuff, but for that, for Him forever. I want to pray, and then you're welcome to 
take a, a short break and then we will get started with our annual meeting. So let's pray together. God, we love you. And Lord, oftentimes I'm confused as to why you love us. Lord, that means that your grace and your, your patience is far beyond ours. So Lord, I pray that you would encourage us with these words that you are sovereign you made us for not just this life but you made us for life forever in you and so lord let our lives glorify you here in preparation for the day where our lives will glorify you forever for we pray this in christ's name amen